This week's episode of Unorthodox is brought to you by Harry's, where you can get a great shave for less. Visit harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and use the promo code UNORTHODOX to save. Welcome to Unorthodox, a weekly podcast from Tablet Magazine. I'm Mark Oppenheimer, joined as ever by Deputy Editor Stephanie Butnick. Hi. Hi. And Senior Writer Leah Leibowitz. Hola. That was your Marco Rubio. Uh, si. <laughs> that was your third place. That was your third place hola, Leah. Third is the new your first. your victory speech. <laughs> third is totally the new first. Later in the show, we'll be talking with guest Jew Lizzie Skernick, who writes about words. And with guest Gentile Bill Schultz, a former co-host of Fox's Red Eye, who claims that a character in Amy Schumer's train wreck was based on him. But he does other things also. So, uh, first, a little news of the Jews. Uh, The Iowa caucuses happened, and a Jew got a virtual tie with a Methodist on the Democratic side. Liel's candidate, Marco Rubio, won. (laughs) Effectively won. (laughs) So, I, you know, first of all, I would like to say this is the first time a Jew has ever gotten delegates. Ever. I mean, this this is big. This is. I mean, this other, is exactly. other than the World Zionist Congress of 1879, like this <laughs> right. is the first time a Jew has delegates has, in anything. And here's the thing: like, even if he doesn't win, there will be people who will say, "I was a delegate for a Jew at the Democratic National Convention." Really? I feel like they're gonna be like, "I was a delegate for Bernie." Yeah. Like, it's well, just, it doesn't run that deep. Or, or even more accurately, I was the delegate for not Hillary. For- <laughs> For the not Hillary 2016 no, no, no. campaign, the Bernie people say what you will about the Bernie people. They are they are for real. I, it is interesting. I was you know he so he's been married twice. I think the first time was to a Jew who has receded into Vermont left wing uh, obscurity. She's up there running a food co op or something. Uh, the second wife is a Gentile. He's quasi adopted her three kids. He does have a child, an out of wedlock child. That's not a momzer halakhically, but it, it's not a bastard by 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 Jewish law. But you know by American folk custom, it's a you know. So our question now is, is, do we prefer the Jew with the Gentile children (laughs) or the Gentile with the Jewish grandchildren? That's what you're saying? That really is the question. But like one way or another, Jews will be dining in the White House, right? Well, not not just on Passover. Not if Ted or Marco wins. Like you're trying to get a real If I may, if Ted or Marco win, the only Jew dining in the White House will be Benjamin Netanyahu. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right. Uh, In other news, the Jews, Miley Cyrus will be in the next Woody Allen movie. I have a theory about this, which is that I think she doesn't know about the accusations against him. I don't think she reads. I think she's entirely in a hermetically sealed off boy in the bubble. Like, but it's like neon and like fuzzy. It's neon and fuzzy. That's right. And she does lots of, you know, calisthenics inside it. Okay, both of you are wrong. I have not said anything. And offensive. I've just agreed. I've just just decorated the bubble. Not only does she know about the accusations, they're probably the reason she said yes. (laughs) Here's the thing, and I mean this without an ounce of, of, you know, cynicism or, you know, tongue in cheek. Yeah. Miley Cyrus is a freaking genius. Okay. Miley Cyrus is really one of the most significant artists of this era. Miley Cyrus is the Woody Allen of this generation. Whoa. Way misunderstood. You just crossed the green line there. Way misunderstood. You're, you're, you're in Gaza. Everyone thinks it's all about this kind of like one sticky thing. There are depths there uh, that that need to be kind of explored, and there's a sadness that seeps through what is ostensibly a popular entertainment medium. But let's talk about like what this means for Woody Allen's influence. This is a girl. I mean, she was Hannah Montana. She's not like your like New York City girl who like went to Bard and like loves Woody Allen movies. She's right. actually just like a Southern bred pop star. She's no Sofia Coppola. Yeah, like there's something genius. kind of amazing that now she's like <laughs> taking up the mantle. I, I don't know. It makes it a little more 
democratic, it feels like. Less well, stuffy. If you're right, if both of you are right. That which we always are. Which you always are, that she's some sort of, you know, pop culture image making savant. What, she got this from her dad, Billy Ray Cyrus? She comes from a musical family. I don't know. We really? Can't... Have you heard her dad's song that was popular when I yes. was in college? Achy Breaky? Yeah. She's from it's a, a musical. great rhyme. She's, <laughs> she's from a Is musical family. It's not clear that she's musical. I mean, she's just willing to do anything. She has an excellent Dare voice. She has an excellent voice. Not only she have an excellent voice, uh, she also has the one song that is my karaoke go-to. Which Party is... in the USA? No, see you again. Uh, if Miley converts to Judaism, she can go to the egalitarian prayer space at the Western Wall in Israel. I don't actually understand. That was the... a segue of champions. <laughs> Did you like that segue? I actually slow clap for that one. I actually don't understand. They're giving them uh, a treehouse where you could climb up and Bas- basically doven male female mm-hmm. mixed. Could someone explain to me what's going on? There's a new egalitarian prayer space at the Western Wall in Israel. What does this mean? So this is like the most, you know, Pyrrhic victory ever. It's basically the Oslo Accords of like intra-Jewish affairs. Rather than actually have, you know, what is just, which is access to egalitarian prayer and the holiest space to Judaism, uh, the compromise struck by the, you know, all-wise Israeli government this Sunday uh, is that they will basically build a treehouse. Uh, which is a small race platform all the way in the back. And if you want to be egalitarian, you'd be egalitarian there. And the rest of the thing is just going to go full-blown, hardcore, ultra-Orthodox. So basically this started because Women of the Wall, which is an organization of women who wanted to pray at the wall and wanted to uh, wear talluses and to fill in and stuff like that, pushed for the, the, the right to do so. And it, and this is sort of, like, I agree, this is sort of like a pretty shitty compromise, which is like, okay, now everyone can go to this space you actually still can't pray at the wall as a woman, but you can go to this special new place and do this here. And this well, like very... you still, by the way, can't pray if you want to put on a talis or say Kaddish or do anything that's deemed inappropriate orthodoxly. You still cannot do it, even in the treehouse. What happens if you do it? They soldiers come and gra- grab you out of the treehouse. Yeah, I mean there have been like not incidents soldiers, where angels descend <laughs> from the yeah. I mean, avenging you, angels. They will they will remove it from you and. To me, it says something that these women went on a crusade for something and that it's such a whitewashed solution. But doesn't this go to the heart of the, the, the paradox of having a religious state, which is not to say the paradox of having a Zionist state, because the original Zionists were secularists, right? They were going to build a state for people who were who identified as Jews, who were ancestrally Jewish. But the idea of Herzl and people like that was not that Haredi rabbis got to make policy. And what we have is a state where, you know, because Haredi rabbis make policy— um, and, and for other historical reasons, you know, it's actually you can't have a legal wedding between a Jew and a non-Jew. I mean, they have segregation type policies even within the Jewish I mean, community. Forget about it. You can have a, a legal wedding between a Jew and a Jew and it, without which is not a religious wedding, which is not a religious wedding. I mean, essentially, like, you know, forget Jewish Palestinian issues for a second. You have a a highly illiberal regime that basically is entirely based on religious chauvinism with the most orthodox people controlling marriage, divorce you know, aspects of child rearing, et cetera. Like, 
it it won't last, right? The center, this cannot hold. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say a highly illiberal regime. Um, I think you're assuming that these were, you know, distinct policies that were made willfully. I think they're mostly the result of some sort of weird political status quo because the ultra-Orthodox parties for years have been a sort of, you know, balancing act between the two large blocks. But I think, you know, the more world Judaism moves to be like a bipolar situation with, you know, Israeli Jews on one end and American Jews on the other, these are going to be really urgent questions that need to be resolved. And I'm so confident and so optimistic, as I'm confident and optimistic about precisely nothing else in life, that this that this would be resolved well. Because this is not this is not a black or white issue. I think that once you it's a black hat, it's a black hat and and white, <laughs> white and white uh, and white parasol issue. issue. I think once you start opening it up, I think really the 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 space for com- for real compromise uh, is very 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 vast. Uh, all you have to do is basically uh, collapse, smash, uh, do away with, uh, dispense with the the completely archaic Byzantine and utterly unnecessary chief rabbinate. And once you do that, all will be well with the world. Except if you're a vulture who has landed in Lebanon accidentally, sent there by the Mossad. I don't know. But... Finally, in News of the Jews, a large vulture that had been detained on suspicion of spying has been returned to Israel by Lebanon, officials said. The vulture was caught last Tuesday by Lebanese villagers. They were suspicious because they had found a tracking device on one of the uh, on, on the tail of the vulture, according to the BBC. This, of course, as devoted unorthodox listeners know, is not the first in the spying animal series. Um <laughs> in 2011, a vulture was detained in Saudi Arabia on suspicion of having been sent by Israel. Uh, in the past five years, a bird in Turkey, another vulture in the Sudan, sharks off the coast of Egypt. Dolphins. Dolphins. Uh, Palestinians have fairly recently accused Jews of releasing boars, pigs and hyenas to destroy agriculture in the West Bank. And my favorite story, in July 2008, the official Palestinian news agency, Wafa, accused Israel of using, quote, supernatural rats that can even chase away Arab cats to encourage Arab residents of the Jerusalem Old City to flee in panic. Which, by the way, is the amazing third sequel to Mouse we need right now. <laughs> Last time we talked about this a few months ago, when the dolphin had been detained, who was it by? By Saudi? Or who, who caught the... So hard to keep track. So yeah. hard to keep track. When, so many some, when some Arab country accused the dolphin that was in their waters of spying for Israel, I asked you, Liel, as a former IDF soldier, Israeli government propagandist, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Zionist you, apologist. Zionist apologist. Can you confirm or deny... Colonialist enthusiast. That's right. Can you confirm or deny that uh, Israeli forces, white hat or black hat, have used animals to spy? And you wouldn't say that they wouldn't. Well, you know what? I'm reversing this position now. <laughs> I think it's time to admit it. You know, I was there at the meeting. Uh, it was a very contentious meeting. Uh, we, we were sitting there at the at the you know top secret uh, underground bunker headquarters of the Mossad, and someone said, "You know what? What, what should we use? Should should we use the drones? Because we have those. No. Should we use algorithms? Because we're like startup nations. No, like robots, F-16s. And someone's like, "You know what? What, what about a vulture?" <laughs> and everyone around the room was like, "Yeah, that's kind of a cool idea." Go go get us a Here's vulture. It's like so delightfully old school. Like it's like biblical. Like By the that way, dove. We, it's like what? That's the thing. It's you so know, charming. So so I was there. We went through so many birds uh, <laughs> until we got just the right one. Uh, we started with a titmouse. 
but that didn't work out at all. You couldn't fit the transponder uh, yeah, around no, it. Yeah, there were, there were just too too much. Uh, you know, we tried a kestrel. We we tried a, a bunch of, of things. The ducks were a disaster. Totally <laughs> they're just waddling all over the and place. Like, rah, rah, rah. I was like, no, right. no, guys, you know, you don't understand. Attack Lebanon, Lebanon. The parrots kept repeating so things funny. you'd said in the meeting. Exactly. Like... <laughs> they're a total yeah. intelligence disaster. <laughs> To me, it just these these things are actually very sad. Even like when I scroll that Wikipedia page, as I do fairly often, of the, like, wiki- the various ones. The Wikipedia page of animals accused of spying for Israel, yeah. which is a real it's Wikipedia actually, yeah, page. It's like Israel-related animal consp- spying conspiracies, um, <laughs> which is yeah, it's bookmarked. It's, I got that on my on my desktop. My what is it called? As my everybody toolbar. should. But. It's, it, like people really hate Israel. Like that's what I take away from this. That like you can see an animal and you're like it's tagged. Maybe it's because like someone wants to keep track of its migration patterns or like you know it's an endangered species. It's like nope, they're spying on us. Well, it speaks to one of the central facts of anti-Semitism, which is that anti-Semitism, classical anti-Semitism, is both a fear of the Jews but also a reverence for their supernatural abilities. Like not only are we completely malevolent, but we can also train a vulture. We can make vultures <laughs> to do whatever we want. We could we could like breed supernatural rats. We can train vultures. We can, like, we are actually have mystical powers. We are we are witches straight out of Lev Gross, Grossman's The Magicians is what we are. What do you think the handoff is like when they returned the vulture? Like, do they have to like put it in it's the, like the bridge carrying of, It's case? like Bridge of Spies. It was like dawn. Here's the question. How, How many cross, there? across the Erez Crossing in Gaza or somewhere like that, the Allenby Bridge in Jordan and be like, now you hand us 46 hamsters. Well, I was going to say, how many thousands of <laughs> Palestinian goats were exchanged in that prisoner exchange? And we will return Shlomo the vulture. If your community wants to buy 100 subscriptions to the tablet print magazine, we'll come and do a live taping of Unorthodox. This is in response to a bunch of questions we've gotten from people all over North America, actually, asking us to come do live shows of Unorthodox. We have plans to go to Palo Alto, to Toronto, uh, right here in New York City. We have a lot of upcoming shows uh, abroad, you might say, outside of the country that is Manhattan. And if you would like to be one of them, uh, you can contact us at unorthodox at tabletmag.com and mention that you'd like to bring our show to your community, your JCC, your synagogue, your university, uh, your local federation, and we'll talk to you about how to work that out. Drop us a line at unorthodox at tabletmag.com. All right, Jewish guest time. Our Jewish guest today is Lizzie Skernick. She's the publisher of Lizzie Skernick Books, which brings classic young adult novels back into print. Lizzie is Jersey bred. She still lives there with her son, Javier. Yes. This is honoring your Latino roots? No, I have no Latino roots. I have only black and Jewish. His sperm donor is Colombian and Mexican. And I thought it would be nice. Also, we live in Jersey City, where there's actually a lot of Javier's. Lizzie is the author of 10 teen books in the Sweet Valley High Love Stories and Alias series. I'd say Javier Skernick would be like a Marco <laughs> Rubio Bernie Sanders matchup. Love yeah. child. He'll be like every single demographics, you know, I, best I know. Dream. I'm hoping he's gay because oh then, oh, then I get please. the whole package. <laughs> well, you know, moms, moms love gay sons because then we get to keep them. They don't go to the wife's family. Mm. So I'm, I'm hoping. They could go to the husband's family. You know? <laughs> That's true. No, 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 they don't. They don't. They, they keep they both. Don't. They all stay close no. to all their families. Yeah. Yeah. So before we <laughs> before we get deeper into <laughs> this, this Lizzie is a, basically Lizzie is a, a writer, but also a word maven. And for a long time, she wrote the column for the New York Times Magazine called That Should Be a Word. Yes. Right? And uh, that column has gone away. I had yes. nothing to do with that, despite my Well, it was the new editor. I actually realized that 
when we talked to you last, which was when you came on as one of our guests on one of our practice shows, yes. which was awesome. And that's deep in the vault. That's like, you know, never seen the light of day. Um, I don't think I asked you how you feel about the word Jewess. Oh. As a Jewess. And, you know, it's, my, it's one of my missions to bring back the feminine nouns, to call Amelia Earhart an aviatrix, to call you and my daughters and my wife Jewesses. Do you, have, do you have a general feeling about these feminine nouns, these antiquated feminine nouns? Well, as a word maven, I would say negress. Uh, yeah. Sounds more fun. Jewess, as a term, I just think of like the big, I think of a head wrap and like Hadassah arms and not that there's anything wrong Hadassah with that. Hadassah arm? Do they you have... know the Hadassah arm? How do you not? You're the worst no. Jew ever. Hadassah. Wait, wait, to be none of us know what a Hadassah, <laughs> what is a Hadassah arm is. I'm seeing like, is it like fat hanging? Is like the waddle on, yes. on a woman's arms? Yes, the Hadassah arm. Now, once you reach the point where you are a Jewish matriarch of culture, which I have, then the, the joke is you're sitting in the meeting with the Hadassah arms. I do not at this point have Hadassah We're going to get but... so much hate mail for this. <laughs> it it's can all just come to amazing. me, people. I've, I didn't invent it. But is it waddle? You, is it fat yes. hanging down? Yeah. No, no, no. It's just that you're you're like all of our skin, it goes slack. But I Everyone's think skin goes slack. Everybody's skin goes slack. Not, but I think the idea mine. is they're Hadassah called Hadassah members, arms. Twice no, we, ge- we gesticulate. We talk with our hands. Oh. So, you know, we're reaching across. We're sitting around the table. And, and we also, I think, wear sleeveless dresses and just... Well, because you're in Boca. Yes. Yeah. So that's the Hadassah arms. But it really is. It's just the pointing. It's that Jew's point. There's there's no other. I had no idea yeah, about Hadassah. You know. Okay, but, but before we move on <laughs> to other important neologisms and coinages, feminine nouns, pro or con? You like Negress. Well, I normally would have said yes, except my Wikipedia page, there's this dude who keeps putting me into American women writers instead of American writers. And, and, and the person who wrote my page is in a fight with him all the time. And, and I do think, I think in the case of something like Aviatrix, it suggests that there are only a few and because of the National Women's Museum, I actually just learned about the first Asian aviatrix, which was neat. There are actually quite a few female mm. aviators. And I think that's maybe the problem. Some of them make it seem cutesy. Right. I will say that when I was writing it, uh, you years ago. You have four daughters, though. So that's why you want them to have fun little terms. Which is I like, do. Yeah, which is a nice <laughs> impulse, I it, think. It, I thank you. It's that Wikipedia guy is not your fault. No, Wikipedia guy is a dick. I mean, <laughs> whoever he is. Do we know his name? Who is he? I, I'll find him in... Okay, I will call him a it. dick on Plus, the air. If I may, there's a huge difference in Jewess, which does not sound cool, and Jewess, which is like almost like a rap name. Like, yeah. Jewess! I just think it sounds old. And we're not all old yet. No. I, I'm old, but not everybody else Lizzie is Skernick, old. Lizzie you are not old. I'm you are old. like... I'm 42. 42. I'm 42. By the way, you have someone who writes your Wikipedia page who isn't you, which makes you like <laughs> yeah, famous. <that's> <laughs> actual famous. <laughs> Um, you actually came here with a request for our listeners, right? Yes. Okay, so what, what are you working on now, and how can we help you? Okay, well, I'm working on a book that is tentatively called The Comeback. It's not going to be called The Comeback, but it's basically more interesting ways to say things we already say, so that if you were going to say drop dead, you would instead use the Yiddish phrase, may you live in a mansion with 100 rooms and drop dead in every one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> or something like, you know, how are you? Hanging in there like Jim Steady. So it's basically more interesting responses for common situations. And I'm always looking for more. I still want more. Um, and this book is crowdsourced. It's not a it's not something where I'm, you know, Googling 
funny Scandinavian phrases. So I've gotten all the good stuff from people. So I'm still looking for more stuff from people. So um, we're we're running <laughs> we're running short on time. Close in time. Oh, yeah. um, it's close enough to the beginning of 2016. What are going to be the big words for 2016? What what would you like to see kind of bloom this year? Well, bloom is a good word. Well, thank you. You know, I would love it if people started using English phrases that were not cheers. I would like it. I've been watching a lot of, um, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching a lot of English procedurals. And I like the way their phrases are all slightly different from ours. You know, they say, I'm not bothered for, uh, you know, I'm not going to bother. I wouldn't bother, which oh. I love. And they say, put paid to it. You know, what does that mean? It means stopped it. Uh, you know, like when he wrote her they love say, letters. They say, shall we go on through? Which seems to mean, shall we leave the living room and go to the dining room? On Downton Abbey, anyway. Oh, They're yeah. They're always going on through. Is it time to go through yet? Is it time to go Which through? Which is like, basically, let's go eat. <laughs> let's go eat. Yeah. Um, and I like how they say, they have a few fun phrases like, back of the beyond. You know, she can whistle for that, meaning it's not going to happen. So I would like it. Um, my favorite one is, it makes a change. Uh, which just means like... By the way, I'm sorry. You know it's just a bunch of English producers just wanting to fuck with American viewers being like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Shit. Like, oh, she could whistle for that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. These are... <laughs> the Americans these are, are like, so adorable. These are, no, these are regular. <laughs> what I like is these are good for my book because what I want for the book is absolutely things that no one else thinks are interesting. They just happen to say them in everyday conversation, but they're different. And you'll be listening to the BBC and they'll be like, well, I'm not bothered. And you're like, but what do they mean? Do they mean I don't want to bother? That bothers me? Like... Sort of the way Mel Gibson calls people sugar tits. <laughs> no. <laughs> you just wanted and to say there you tits. Have it. <laughs> um, Lizzie Skernick, if people have ideas for your book, yes. uh, for it's called Comebacks? Uh, the Comeback, but it will be. The Comeback. Be. And it's, it's um, other ways to say things. More interesting and colorful ways to say things that we are bored by now. Right. Like butter my butt and call me a biscuit. If you're surprised instead of, wow, that's surprising. <laughs> uh, how can they send them to that you? That's amazing. I would love it if they tweeted me. Tweet me at Lizzie Skernick. I will retweet. That's the most fun way. You can also just get on my Facebook page. I friend everyone. Got it. All right, my Jewess friend. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Lizzie Thank Skernick, you. Jew of the Week. Hey, everyone. If you are a regular listener to Unorthodox, you know that I have four daughters and the eldest is nine. And I'll tell you something about them. Um, They love me, but they love me less when I'm scratchy. The question is like how to get smooth. And since I've been 16, I've used assorted Gillette type razors. I've, I've worked my way up as my income has gone up, as my commitment to smoothness has gone up. I've lately been with the Fusion. Not anymore. I switched to Harry's. Um, this show is brought to you by Harry's. They sent us some product. I've started using it, and I am a convert. A little bit of their backstory. One of the co-founders, Andy, went to a drugstore a number of years ago. He was waiting 10 minutes for someone to unlock that special case where they keep the razors. And he thought, there just there has to be a better way. This just We shouldn't have to like go through you know several chambers like getting into a prison to get your cartridges. So we founded Harry's. It's at harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S. They make five-blade German-engineered razors. They also make the, um, what do you call it, the stem, the thing you should, the, anyone know? 
The handle? The handle. Thank you. They make the handle. They make shaving cream. Uh, they make post-shave lotions. Um, and they're all terrific. They're all super high quality. And they're a lot cheaper. So whereas I was used to paying $25 or $30 for my Gillette eight count of refills, with Harry, it's $15. And somehow they know when to send you a refill. They put you on a schedule based on how often you shave. And it just arrives in the mail. Your starter kit is free. And then your packages of refills are $15, but you can take $5 off by using the code UNORTHODOX. So go to harrys.com and sign up for a program. Enter the code UNORTHODOX at checkout. You'll get your German-engineered, American-owned razors, and you can, like me, be smooth. And now, our world-famous feature, Gentile of the Week. Our Gentile this week. Have you ever been introduced as Gentile of the Week before, Bill? No, but I'm happy about it. Yeah. I've been introduced as a Jewess, but this is my, <laughs> this is my first. Bill Schultz. Bill grew up Catholic. Yes. Yes, in Lake Forest, Illinois. And he realized his childhood dream of being on Fox television when he was, for several years, the co-host of Red Eye with Greg Goodfeld. Does he say Goodfeld? Uh, I like it. The fa- I, I would prefer Goodfeld. Goodfeld. What more, does he say? Yeah, it, it sounds less than he what says, he was. Gutfeld. Gutfeld. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bill has done other things. Uh, he once fought a boxer five inches and 100 pounds bigger than him. He cage-dived with great whites. Uh, He threw out the first pitch at a White Sox game. He snuck back into college for a week to see if it was as fun as he remembered it to be, was it? No, No. but I like the classes. You learned more? You did the reading this time? I hated the keggers. I was like, boy, these classes were great. I wish I'd done that. I had all these facilities, and I wasted them. Yeah. Uh, Oh, my God. And you once had sex. That'd be such a great Drew Barrymore movie. It's like, there's no romance here, but like that Latin 101 is really amazing. You don't find the teacher you're supposed to have the affair with attractive. Right. Boy, what he's teaching. Mm. It's fantastic. Bottle that it's up. It's 19 minutes of just you learning, you know, how to conjugate first. <laughs> oh, and that was, I, like, I was the only guy that would raise my hand, and I was, like, the only guy that would engage with a professor amongst a bunch of hunover freshmen. I, I mean, at to, the time. I, I wasn't even done with my intro. I did want to get in that you once had sex in the Museum of Sex. Yeah, and then said, after no, I wait. did it, I found out a lot of people had, and it wasn't that as, as uh, You're amazing, such a cliche. Yeah, yeah, completely. Did you, I mean, when you say it's sex, like... Well, with I went under there because there was or with a, a partner with a partner. Um, but they had a. Uh, <laughs> I went under the guys. I never lied, but I said that I, they had this camping art exhibit, and you know it's supposed to be more about the science and the background of sex. But this is more of like an art exhibit. But it was all camping related themes, and so each tent had a different theme. Wait, the and, Museum of Sex had a camping exhibit? Yeah, but it was camping is related to sex. Look, there's only so many sex ideas you can have. That's After true. a while, you just throw up the throw something on the wall, see what sticks. Yeah, bad analogy for <clears> the Museum <throat> of Sex. Uh, and so I just went there saying, "Oh, I want to camp out in your camping exhibit." But I also brought a photographer. Was it with was she was a girl I knew, and I didn't lie about that. I think she took a couple pictures on her iPhone. Nothing salacious, but how was it? I mean, I I oh, was very nerve wracking. I was yeah, very scared. Sex. You mean, yeah. yeah, the sex. I no, I it was really scary. I don't yeah. think it'd be great sex. No, not at all. No, hold no, on, hold on, I do hold not on. recommend so, so it. This is the museum of sex. There are other people around. No, we. I stayed the night. Oh, you stayed the mm-hmm. night. And unfortunately, they had a guard. And be, to complete the motif, she was dressed like a um, a park ranger. <laughs> and so she's sort of hovering over us every once in a while. When she finally left, I'm like, all right, let's do this. And is, is this the only museum you've had sex in? Oh, God, yeah. Natural no, history. I, I normally <laughs> worship. And Whitney, and I, I celebrate museums. And uh, well, this that's, is a, that's a bad way. It's a good I guess, tribute yeah. to them, right? You grew up in the Chicago suburbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of Jews there. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah I like, lived right next is, to Highland Park. Biggest well, concentration. Just... Another word we try not to use when referring to collectives of Jews. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so, what did you think of them growing up? Like, did, did you were you cognizant that these, like these are Jews? No, not really. I mean, first of all, as a Catholic, it's like you could definitely relate to the guilt 
factor. Yeah. And it's just, they, it was so, I mean, the high, I went to Lake Forest Academy, sorry, Lake Forest Academy. Um, and so there was a high school in Highland Park that had a, uh, more Jewish students, but we had a, I mean, it was close to 50, 50. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my Jewish questions were answered then. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, take us, take us on your journey. How did you end up as Greg Gutfeld's repulsive sidekick? Cause he used to call you his repulsive yes. sidekick. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. Is that you something you auditioned for? Did that. they put out a call on Twitter for, you know, right wing guy on Fox needs repulsive sidekick? It was almost, it was before Twitter. Um, and he was, I thought I was just going to come in as a writer. I never thought I would be on air. And from the beginning, just because we had absolutely no staff, I was on air and remained as such until I parted ways in such a vague way that I still can't discuss it. They paid you off to not talk about it? Well, yeah, you know, non-disclosure agreements and whatnot. It's no How much cares, did you get for your non-disclosure agreement? Just, uh... Like, to buy your silence. <laughs> what does it cost to buy your not silence much. for, like... That was a sad thing, but I was so scared about being unemployed, I took whatever I could get. <laughs> so, so now you write the museum's column mm-hmm, for the New York Times. Which is, it's about once a month. Um, and it focuses on undisplayed items in museums, which in hindsight was a bad pitch because no one gets to see these things. But I guess you see them in the articles. So Although good. it's a great pitch because you could write whatever the fuck you want. Completely. Yeah, like, I like the that. The Metropolitan Museum has, you know, a seven foot tall oh, mummy yeah, the, every with muse- fangs. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never see it. So. Completely. Yeah. yeah. And I, of course, totally just make stuff up. Yeah. Um, I'm kidding. Can't emphasize that enough. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's a fun gig. You don't have to talk to that many people, which I always enjoy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I learned new stuff and, you know, I'm a big old dork. I like going to museums. Not do doing... you really? I hate going to museums. I, I, I really them, do. They're yeah. all boring. Can we agree? I you know. And I understand. Museums agree. are boring. I feel like they're I'm amazing. supposed to find them interesting. So I'm like, oh, wow. But they're boring. I, right? Yeah. And right? I, I don't, I can't admit no, it. I made that boring, change. It didn't, I used to think the same thing and I don't know what changed, but, um, I definitely remember going when I was a kid and my dad's that kind of dad that reads everything if it is on a wall he did not get his money's worth unless he reads every <laughs> single thing about some stupid arrowhead in some tribe you've never heard sounds of sounds a lot and like a Jew to me I gotta yeah, tell you know, yeah you know there, 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 there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities in my family so and my in-laws the, do. overall yeah and it's like I think that they their yeah, visit they to the holocaust the museum lasted as long as the actual holocaust it was like four and a half <laughs> years of them going through Yad Vashem reading every single <laughs> so, so your next piece is about the intrepid yeah 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 um, and and not the best time to pick that because a lot of it's outside and I should have thought about the weather. But What's, what's um, the Intrepid? That's that uh, aircraft carry off the Hudson. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And lots of tra- planes are ornately arranged like a child would on a, a shelf if you had models. But uh, it's, uh, it's a feast for the eyes. They have a lot of undisplayed stuff. So that's about it. I was gonna say it's I'm that sure big boat on the west side. Yes, that's <laughs> a great time, way of describing it. I, I don't know. You're you're influencing me in some negative way, so I got to share this. But last time I went to the Intrepid, I love that museum. I'm it's cool, right? Museum. Yeah, I love Best it. Freaking museum in the city. But I went, um, I went to this museum, and, and this sounds horrible, but there was a family visiting from Pakistan, and they were standing next to an assault drone for an uncomfortably long period of time. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, I couldn't help thinking, like, are they, like, this is what killed Uncle Faisal? Like, are they there to, <laughs> what are they doing with this drone? Like, uh, are they measuring it up? Are they in awe of it? Is this, like, a commemorative? It's It was very freaky. I was too uh, cold to look for possible security breaches. But now I will <laughs> no, never I mean, go to the Intrepid breach. the same breach. It was just, like, this moment of, like. It would have been for me. Yeah. What what is the one kind of museum in New York that we're really not getting, but should be really way more into? Well, I can tell you the one that you shouldn't go to, and that is a museum called the Elevator Museum in Queens. <laughs> 
And a lot of times museums are a little vague about what they're what they're selling the customer. That is as blunt as you're going to get. It is about elevators. And the best part, not one elevator is there. It's essentially this guy's apartment where he's got he hung up various parts of elevators and like old time ads for elevators. <laughs> and I actually did that before I did the column when I was still at Fox News. I did like a little package on them. And my producer found it, but didn't do a lot of research. And I remember going there and just being absolutely mortified because I didn't know what to do with this. It was a guy's apartment with just stuff stapled on the wall about elevators. <laughs> but it was like, a, it was a recognized New York museum. In and, the third floor And did he like charge admission no for it? Yeah, well, yeah, he charged admission and luckily he had some like sex dolls as well that just happened to be there. And I was able to discuss with him about that and why there wasn't a separate museum about these weird sex dolls. And so he kind of made something out of it. But don't go to the elevator museum. I will be against that one. You've claimed that the character, the the, the dude in Trainwreck is based on you? Oh, he is. Yeah, I mean, she denies it, but... So he's... What's Wait. his name in the movie? Schultz. Schultz. So, yeah. Which one is he? <laughs> Schultz. <laughs> so Bill Schultz, you say that the character in Trainwreck is based on you. Yes. Schultz, he works at Snuff Magazine. Yes, and I used to uh, work at is, Stuff Magazine. He is the worst. He's the worst, and that's the, the worst part. Like, I started getting texts from people. Awesome. What he's are you talking He's the one who about? says he's in the meeting. masturbates in the office. John yeah, he's meeting with, yeah. yeah, he's John Glazer. He's meeting with Tilda Swinton. At the, they're at the story meeting, and he says, like, oh, I'm working on a piece about <laughs> ma- where to masturbate around the office. Like, I'm working, I'm doing I'm doing research. Yeah, I've already started doing research. And he's got this whole thing where, like, and I'm starting to wonder if I do this where he just kind of does this at the end of each sentence. Like, <clears throat> like I kind of, it's bad for radio, but it's sort of this little uh, head jerk thing. Like, I'm done with my sentence. Deal with what I just put Wait. on the table. So how did you know Amy? Amy was Look at me calling her Amy. Like, I know her. A, How'd you know Ms. Schumer? A. Um, she was on Red Eye all the time. Back when, but the, back when she was Amy Schumer and not Amy Schumer. Um, and she was on... Gosh, I mean, a couple times a month. And I mean, we were best pals, but we'd go out and drink together after the show and stuff like that. And she was great, and we had a lot of fun. And even as she started getting bigger and bigger, like, you know, we would still um, talk and things like that. Um, And then I was doing an article, like, something some editor gave me about, like, in praise of strong women. Again, another original idea from the original idea handbooks. (laughs) Um, And she gave me a quote very quickly. And I didn't go, I bypassed all of her publicists and 8 million managers. Uh, And she just, she was really nice about it, gave me exactly what I needed. And that was three days before Trainwreck. And then when Trainwreck came out, all of a sudden people started texting me just saying, you know you're in Trainwreck, and by the way, you're an asshole. But that's kind of awesome, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, no, no, believe me. Make me an asshole. I I made 300 bucks off of it, so fine. But she says it wasn't you. Oh, yeah. She immediately, well, no, first she said it was, like, she was going to do an interview with me. And she's like, well, it's, yeah, but, you know, it's, like, it, I think her, her her people, I can't believe that just came out of my mouth, uh, Amy Schumer's team said that she would talk to me, and they kept blowing me off. And I said I wasn't going to railroad her. I just kind of was interested in what she thought was accurate and wasn't. And, I, you know, I still think she's hilarious. And also I wanted to talk to John Glazer because I think he's a bad actor because he didn't follow me around for three weeks <laughs> to get into my shoes. <laughs> you know, my likes, dislikes, what I eat. Yeah. Um and he said no right away, and she was going to do it. I'm sorry, Mr. Glazer. We're going to have sex right now in this uh, tent. <laughs> Would you mind just stepping three steps down? All right, you're too in-depth on my character at this point. Maybe go to the second floor. It's too method. Yeah, there's a great exhibit on vibrators down there. You'll enjoy yourself. And so then, uh, she, after a while, she just sort of had second thoughts, period. And so we just did the article anyway. And then she, on Twitter, she said, no, it's not you. It's about a comedian I know. 
Now, you have a question for us because, as I understand it, you have recently discovered that there's a little Jew in you. Yeah. Well, I don't even know if it qualifies as a little. It might be a lot, but I'm bad at math. Um, I did the DNA test, and I found out that I am 10% Ashkenazi. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes, you are. Ashkenazi Jew. And then I also read that Ashkenazi Jews live for a long, long time, which I thought was great, especially since I'm a smoker, so I'll take whatever I can get. Uh, But Ashkenazi Jews are like, what is it's like not a, it's not a blue light that sounds like a special at Kmart, uh, but it's like a blue. There's a certain percentage of various populations that are like a blue letter or something like that that they they qualify as people that live kind of on the regular to about a hundred. And Ashkenazis apparently are one of them. I think hmm. maybe I misread. So you're wondering like what is are you going to live forever? Yeah, I'd like to think that I li- will live forever, and I would like for you guys to agree with me on that just so that I can sleep well tonight. I'll, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Definitely. All right, perfect. Yeah. All right. I mean, so I no think science it, is coming. Well, you know, but it's it's not. They don't just live forever. I mean, they live forever on a diet of herring, and I do like fish. And uh, you you have to learn mahjong. Uh, you have to um, you you have to join Hadassah. Um, okay. I'm sorry, why are you making him a Jewish woman? <laughs> Play mahjong. I said he wanted, myself as a Jewish. He said he was a Jew. He's a he's a Jewess. Right. The problem is, is that like with that DNA, then you're you're like you're on the list with the rest of us. So like, you could live to a hundred, or you could get like you That's know exactly next time. Right. Yeah, someone comes to power. You're, you're like, rolling the geopolitical dice here. Yeah. Yes, you're like, yeah. 100 unless... unless I just like the fact that people now know I'm rolling geopolitical dice. <laughs> I think that alone is something to put on the resume. Here's the thing, man. Like, are you in or are you out? I mean, that's that's basically what well. Asking, I want to like, learn as much as I can. You don't get the hundred years without, like, I mean, you got all of the. We'll see. I've got the guilt from the Catholicism upbringing. Um, I get. Ugh. Yeah, I'm in. You're I just in. Wanted, I want to know. i got to learn Mahjong, man. All right. I've got Here's a tiny the thing. Brain. There's a lot of potential here. I, I think if anyone uh, listening wants to sponsor this, we need to send Bill Schultz to Israel. I would like lo- a two-week to tour yes. to decide yeah. whether or not he wants to be of our people or not. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like yeah. Can we just send like him to, like, Boca? Or to Boca. I've or been to Boca, Boca, Boca so I'm halfway there. Yes. Hey, Bill Schultz, welcome to the tribe. Next time Thank you're you. on, it says our Jew of the Week. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much All for right. having me, guys. I feel like I finally belong to a club I want to be a part of. Yeah. <laughs> That's your first nothing, mistake. Nothing yeah. bad has ever happened to any member of the club. I mean, I'm not, I got to brush up my history, but right? I mean, it's pretty much yeah. smooth sailing. It's smooth right. sailing Excellent. from here on out. That's Excellent. Right. And what could ever lead you? It's mailbag time. A lot of people wrote in to nominate themselves or loved ones for our Valentine's Day matchmaking enterprise, in which we're going to bring in a trained matchmaker who will interview a couple of our listeners and help find them love in 2016. We are still taking applications, but you have to do it uh, by this weekend because we really are getting close. We have to tape soon. The thing to do if you want to be part of our matchmaking Valentine's Day show is send an email or a voicemail to unorthodox at tabletmag.com and answer two questions. First, tell us about yourself. And second, tell us about what you're looking for in a mate. That's what we got for you. We'd love to have you on our show. Also, we got a very, very special letter from our friend Sholem Dean, uh, who, of course, wrote the terrific memoir, All Who Go Do Not Return. Uh, He writes to us, I know the deal is for next year's Valentine's, but this is pressing. I have been invited to a super fancy event and told I can bring a plus one. The event is an award ceremony. It is our people's Oscars, I would like to think, also known as the National Jewish Book Awards. Not to brag, but I'm one of the awardees. Thank you, thank you. I have a nice suit with a purple pocket square and witty remarks prepared for the red carpet, but I do not have a plus one. I think I should have a plus one. Can you help? 
about me. I'm a well-mannered gentleman with occasional facial hair and have never seen Star Wars. I'm well-liked in select neighborhoods. She should be between four and seven feet tall and not named Nehemia. That will be the name of our cat. Shalom. P.S. Seriously. P.P.S. It's in six weeks. P.P.P.S. Do you think there will be a red carpet or is that something only goys do? End quote. All right. So famous author Shulam Dean actually wants a date for the National Jewish Book Awards. This is separate from our Valentine's Day hunt. Uh, you have to be between four and seven feet tall. And this is urgent. And this is yeah. urgent. So if you would like to go with Shulam Dean, unorthodox at tabletmag.com. Mazel tovs of the week. Stephanie? Oh, I have a mazel tov to my one and only Ben Cohen, who this week in the Wall Street Journal wrote about wrote the most important sports story I have ever read. It's about NBA Catwatch. It's a website that asks NBA players whether they have cats and what their names are. And, yeah, I mean, I'm just so proud. You had a hand in that story. I, I had no hand in no it. No hand in that story. But Le- a tail in that story. I had a paw. I had a paw. <laughs> Liel, mazel tov? My mazel tov is to the one and only world's greatest tablet magazine, which did not win uh, an ASME award last night, but remains the single most important publication ever publicated. And my mazel tov is to the Jewish Women's Archive in Boston, which has launched a new podcast called Can We Talk? Call Hadassah Arms. <laughs> called Can We Talk? The pilot episode is about Jewish women pilots. You can find this new podcast at jwa.org, the Jewish Women's Archive's new podcast. We love mail. If you have thoughts, comments, praise, or questions for our panel of experts, send them to unorthodox at tabletmag.com. Remember, if you want to be part of our Valentine's Day matchmaking event, send in your application. Unorthodox is edited by Julie Subrin and produced by Sarah Ivry. Rabbinic supervision this week is by Rabbi David Kaufman of B'nai Jeshurun in Des Moines, Iowa. I want to know whom he caucused for. Kosher slaughtering by Megan Kelly. Our website is tabletmag.com. Our music is by Golem. Shalom, friends.